0: Head over to TheInforium.com slash Nebula to sign up now. Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast. What's up, my friend? Yo. That's that's energetic. Yo. I'm so it's filled like, with that. That's all I got. Yeah? I'm. You must have done the morning routine this I morning. I used all the energy. Like, oh, okay. I'm dead. Now no. we're dead? All right. Now dead. we're going to go to sleep. Back to chilling. That was the whole episode. Just And I have to change the title now to just Martin says yo. Yeah, .avi. Like earnestly. Yeah. Yeah. With a comma, like, comma, earnestly, yeah. dot Avi. Yeah. That would probably get more views than the actual title. Ain't that just the honest. way. <laughs> I kind of want to experiment with that. With just stupid titles, <laughs> that'd probably work. In in the standard Slack today, um, one of the creators, he, he was trying to translate his video description and title into Chinese, because yeah. apparently you can do that, or it was possibly Korean. I can't remember which one. Do you mean they were trying to do the translation themselves or they were trying to press buttons that would provide a translation? I think he was... Tr- either like YouTube has Chinese an automatically uh, automatic button or he was using Google Translate. But either way, he wasn't trying to translate the video itself into Chinese. He was trying to translate the title and metadata because you can do that. There's like a whole translation section and you can cool. provide a translated title for every language out there. But he posted a screenshot of his original copy in English, and then the Chinese characters, and then what he uh, got by putting the Chinese characters back into Google Translate. That's always good. And it was hilarious. It was like the original English translation was like, um, the, you know, the printer cartridge industry has always been exploiting consumers. And the retranslated version was like the printer cartridge industry, or no, the big printer company has always been slashing consumers.
1: <laughs> yeah, here's the thing about automatic translation. It is not to be relied upon. Not yet, because anyway. It's terrible.
0: Yeah, there's like all these theories out there about how if if you need if or if you want perfect translation, then you need to develop um, AGI, like artificial general intelligence that is of a human level. I mean, level, it needs context and stuff. Right, because communication requires context. Also, so. Google
1: Translate actually translate a lot of stuff into English and then into the language sometimes because it has the oh, most, has the most data in English. Yeah. So that's why it gets super messed up when going between non-English languages a lot of the time. That would make sense. Yeah. But yeah. Computers don't have
0: context until we make them really smart. Yep. And they learn how to oh. talk to me and know my aunt. I do have to say that the auto-generated English captions for our podcast are quite good. Oh, voice recognition and and typing, yeah. because we don't buy human-created captions for this podcast. It would be too expensive for the amount of time that we spend podcasting. Uh, I do it for all my videos on the main channel, but I got a comment from somebody last week because the video went up like a few hours too late, and they were like, where's the captions? And that informed me that there were, in fact, captions. And I remembered, oh, YouTube auto-generates captions. I forgot about that. And I had always assumed, because you and I are talking back and forth, that it wouldn't work. But they're actually pretty good. I turned them on and there were very few errors. That's cool. So I guess it's probably the fact that we're speaking into really good microphones and we probably don't overlap that much that it works out. So I'm very happy that the robots do that for us. Um, Speaking of translations, we went to the... Uh, what was it called? How's Moving Castle at the theater oh, last yeah, night. Yeah. And it was the first time I had ever seen it in Japanese with the subtitles. And it was so weird. There were just some times where there were lines I was expecting because I've seen the dub so many times. And then it it's very different in Japanese. Here's the thing about that is uh, you're casual. What, for not watching it in Japanese the first time? Yeah. Or am I casual for even using the subtitles at all? Well... I don't think that would be fair. That <laughs> that's, I, that's too high. I'm tra- I remember listen, what- remember. I just uh, want to
1: gatekeep your enjoyment. <laughs> oh, okay. And and make you feel
0: less for enjoying things. This wouldn't perchance be because your own self-confidence is lacking and you want to use your No one would do that. And exclusivity no that. to make yourself feel better,
1: would it? No, because <laughs> nobody ever tries to build their self-esteem based on things that weren't really so much a choice as an accident when they don't do anything-
0: by choice that is worth being proud of. No one would do that. Yeah, who would do that? It's ridiculous. That's like something that some barbaric species of alien would do. We don't do that. Yeah. Ever. But it was interesting. Um, like the one line that I was expecting is when Calcifer says like, she likes my spark. That isn't in the Japanese version at all. It's it, He just literally says like, I like her or something like that. Yeah. So clearly they take some um, creative liberties with yeah, the way they translate it. Yeah, intense because otherwise you got so much cultural context that wouldn't mean the same yeah. thing. Yeah. So y- it's clearly not like a one-to-one translation. Yeah. And I know sometimes I turn the subtitles on um, Full Metal Alchemist while we're watching it, even though we're watching the dub because we're eating and like I can't hear it very well. I'm cool with the sound that. Of that, chewing. that one's a good dub. The dub? Yeah, it's awesome. C- certain ones are really good dubbed. I think that Full Metal Alchemist has a really good dub. Cowboy Bebop does. Some of those shows don't, but for me, I often like to still watch the dub anyway, because my language is where I can feel the most emotion. Yeah. Well,
1: Dragon Ball Z is
0: way better dubbed. (laughs) because
1: otherwise I like hate half the voices.
0: Doesn't Goku's voice sound like an old grandma or something? Yeah.
1: And I mean, maybe if I was used to that, it'd be cool, but I'm not used to that. So it's way too far from what I expect from
0: the show to be comfortable. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we have um, an actual topic this week. I'm sure people were expecting us to talk about. You mean probably the title? Probably the title. It might be that. I might actually just change it up and just talk about like baseball cards the whole time. I mean, who knows? You're gonna find out. Keep listening. I do Since have a couple like I do have a couple of items of business that I want to take care of before we get into that. Um First and foremost, you went and made yourself an Instagram. It was an accident. <laughs> I can't make fun of you for being a Luddite anymore. Oh yeah, you can. I had to have Ashley like
1: show me how to do stories. And I was like, What's and then yesterday I was like, What's there you sent me a message. I can't find it. Where's the button for messages? And then I I hit it. And then I was like, oh,
0: look, there are messages there. And I'm just like, I have no idea how this app works. That's because even though you are now using Instagram, you're not even using it correctly. You like hacked your web browser to post pictures from your computer, which I honestly think is pretty cool. That's because
1: I don't want to That's because I'm I'm posting. I'm using it specifically to share my like photography work,
0: not personal life stuff, although I'll mix that in the text. But Though, actually, I'm curious. Why wouldn't you just use the new buffer integration since they can natively post to Instagram? You could just put your pictures in buffer. Yeah, I, cu- I could
1: do that. But I also like, um, I right now to start it up and to commit myself to improving my photography, I wanted to post one every day for the next 30 mm-hmm. days at least, and then see how sustainable that is. Okay. And I like having that as a daily habit because one, otherwise I might forget it. But two, if I want to interact in any level with people that are like mentioning stuff on my photos and I've got it so automated that I don't even have to look at it anymore, I will not look at it anymore. And uh, then I won't be there to say anything okay. real. you know. I, I want to mildly use it in a sort of active way. I'll pay attention yeah. if people say stuff.
0: Well, we I mean, we found out that people are indeed sliding into your DMs. So,
1: yeah, I didn't even know that that was real yep. until, you know, I just found the button. That's a it, thing. I didn't know stuff.
0: Um, in case people are curious about the weird method you use, how exactly do you post pictures oh, so to because Instagram? With because your I'm
1: sharing stuff from my my good camera, my like Sony A6000. Mm-hmm. I I'm exporting them from Lightroom and I've got the JPEG right there uh, on my on my desktop. I don't want to do the weird workaround that I've seen people do where you like put it in Dropbox or something and then save it to your camera roll on your phone and yeah. then do some stuff like that. That, to me, I'm like afraid I'll lose quality somewhere in there. and well, it's also just annoying. That, that, Yeah, it's also just annoying. So what I'm doing is, this works in Firefox and Chrome if you find the appropriate buttons, but basically I right-click, go to inspect element. It opens up all the developer tools. Mm-hmm. Then there's a little symbol. It looks like a phone or a tablet or something, depending on the browser. And it's testing responsive stuff. And once you've got that going, you can choose a device to pretend that the browser is. It like sends data that tells the Instagram website, oh, I'm totally an iPhone 6S right <laughs> now. Wink. Yeah. And then it shows, because the mobile version of that website, you can upload photos. Yeah. So then it shows me the little little cell phone version with the plus button. And I just add stuff straight off the desktop smart. I don't, I don't want to have a bunch of weird, that little barrier would have stopped me from wanting to use it. Yeah. And has been part of why I haven't wanted to share any photos on it for a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. It's kind of a pain. Cause I mean, you have to like open a, up Dropbox on your phone, export the picture. Then well, this it's is like, like kind of a I'm taking advantage of the process. 20 second rule here. Yeah. That is an annoying barrier. So mm-hmm. it's gone now. And then for me, even if I didn't want to do that, I probably would use the new buffer thing. Oh, yeah. Because now it's I don't it's think posting. that came out like s- days after yeah, it's really I started recent.
1: the Instagram thing. Like mm-hmm. I looked and I was like, that's not real. Oh, and then it was suddenly real. Yeah. So maybe I'll use it at some point. But for now, I want to kind of pay attention and really figure out how to use the service. And your Instagram is mainly what? like Shrek memes? It's definitely Shrek memes. Okay. It is entirely – I'm using like a photo portfolio site but a more casual one Mm -hmm. because I was thinking about building a portfolio site because I I do a lot of stuff, sometimes mildly skillfully, and then I don't share it. I'm like humble to a a fault where I don't ever – I'm a secret man. Nobody knows what I do all the time. Yeah. And I felt like – I would like to do something with photography at some point, even if it's just like, you know, I, I'd like to work with some botanic garden and be like, I'm going to put stuff in your cool magazine or just something. It's mm-hmm. fun. And you can't do much with a skill that no one knows you do. Yep. So I wanted to build a portfolio site. And then I got all annoyed thinking about, okay, what image size should I do? Uh, what about nobody's going to notice when there are new photos unless I spam my Twitter account and say, look, everybody, look at my portfolio again, put a yeah. new one up, which is like the same thing, but more obnoxious. Mm-hmm. So, Plus
0: I find that Instagram, people just tend to see your stuff more than they do on Twitter. Yeah. Or they at least tend to engage with it more. Because I mean, I, I have more followers on Twitter than I do on Instagram, but the at least in terms of likes versus likes on Twitter, it's like a 20 to one difference. Yeah, I'm getting a least. lot of like the ratio of engagement I'm getting
1: so far just on Instagram with the like, I've only got like 120 followers right mm-hmm. now. Which I'm sure is nothing to your mountains, but like my engagement is a pretty high percentage of that, actually. Yeah. So it's interesting. And I just, it's much easier than I will never advertise a portfolio site. I'm not yeah. going to constantly hound people to look at it. Mm-hmm. I would much rather you can basically subscribe and say, sure, I'll
0: see your photos. And that's what Instagram does. So well, I think Instagram is just the way to do it these there days. There it anyway. Like it's sort of the way things are going, like you, I think you should have a portfolio website. If you're a content creator, you probably should have a blog and an email list because that is the platform you own. And that's where you can create like things exactly where you want them. But the world's attention right now is on these social platforms, especially Instagram. That's probably where the most attention is at the moment. So it's silly to not take advantage of it if you want people to see your work.
1: Yeah, and my thing against social media has primarily been against being addicted to scrolling through it. And also- I still do not care to share what I do most of the time. Yeah. But if I don't share my creative work, I cannot. I mean, that sucks. You know, maybe yeah. somebody would like it. It's, yeah. it's not like, what did I have for breakfast this morning? Or what is a thought that just popped into my head? Mm-hmm. It's like, I created something. I'd like someone to see it if they want to. Yeah. So where can people follow you if they happen to oh, want uh, to follow your pretty so photos? My Instagram is yo martholomew and also my twitter is now but uh it basically martholomew is is not real but i decided that it's now long for martin <laughs> martin is not short because,
0: for martholomew but yeah, martholomew, martholomew is, is long. long for martin
1: <laughs> that's the situation that works for me i like it we came up with it playing the stupid jack jackbox jackbox games i think so yeah yeah and that's it plus like every iteration also, you of you can't martin spell or martin. my last name like hi i'm martin bamey oh could you spell that not in the slightest because it's German, not pronounced like that. And any English spelling doesn't look like a real English name yeah. when you guess. Just change
0: it to B-A-Y-M-E. Easy. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I, Martholomew's better. Yeah. And that is your Twitter now too. So Yeah. Everything should be <clears throat> synchronized. We will have that in the show notes. Um, I also, I really liked the way that you photographed your girlfriend's art. Like that yep. seems like a really cool idea that I haven't seen done before.
1: Yeah, I was I was actually pretty proud of those because we were just gonna go out that day and get them mm-hmm. and and I was like, Okay, well first thing, we're not we're not just sharing like the JPEGs of the art. That's yeah. dumb. We're gonna take the prints and they're about going outside and stuff, so we're gonna be outside somewhere mm-hmm. and then I just like remembered an old photo I took that wasn't good, but I wanted to try something, so then I just stuck one of them in a tree and I was like, Actually I like this a lot better than I thought and yeah.
0: it's it's like interesting. So It looks really good. It like provides some context and environment for the print and like you said, it, it is better on Instagram than just sharing the JPEG.
1: Yeah, I don't think the JPEG would be reason. as compelling. And then like yeah. there was one about tea and she was like, Maybe we should get one next to the tea stuff and I was like one moment. Let me take the rest of this poo R, I'm gonna spill it around a circle, and then I'm mm-hmm. gonna line everything up and, and make it all like conceptual. Is any of that on
0: yours or is that all on Ashley's? That
1: is all on hers. I'm okay. just like, I, I put it in a story. I probably Yeah, I did see use, it in your story, but that'll I be gone. I will probably use stories for stuff like that because I don't really want it to be the main set of photos yeah. I'm sharing. But it is cool and it will be on hers if
0: it's not already. One okay. of them is. So we'll have hers in the show notes as well. One yeah. thing I will tell you that you may not know about is with your stories, they by default disappear in, in 24 hours. Yeah. But well, you can create these highlights-
1: I didn't know how I saw that, and I was like, I don't know what this button does, and I don't want to mess
0: it up. If you just time. go to your portfolio, or your your profile, and you hit the little plus button for a highlight, you can just choose any story you've done recently, and it will just save it forever. So I've got, like, several little highlight things built up. Oh, just I, like... I
1: thought I had to, like, type something. I don't know. Nope. That's... I, I will and have to look at that you stitch together later.
0: multiple stories. So, like, I do, like, an occasional guitar story, but it's few and far between. So I've just taken all of them and stitched them together into one, like, guitar highlight. That's... Yeah,
1: I'll have to look at that. I just... I don't want to like mess something up or do something. Yeah. When Facebook started, the first thing I did, Will was showing me and we were we were in class and I set it up and I was filling in the information and then, it, and then I had the little status that said Martin is single. And I was just like, I clicked like and I did, <laughs> and he just, he couldn't take it because I was like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever heard. Oh man, it was a great start. I okay. loved it. Okay, well, that's the way to use you know, so, Facebook right so, there. <laughs> so I'm
0: traumatized. Okay, and I, I need to be careful. Alrighty. Okay, so moving on. Uh, we'll be quicker with the next one. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I just mentioned that I did a video with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, uh, that is online now. It's on the Star Talk channel. So we oh, will no. have a link to that in the show notes. But you can also go over to the Star Talk YouTube channel and look for the thumbnail that has a graduation cap on planet earth. And uh, you'll find us. Cool. There's also footage that they cut and sent to me that didn't make it to that video. And I'm trying to figure out where to share it. Just like me and Neil are talking have about like, have like director's and cut and stuff. stuff. I do. Yeah. I have director's cut material. Fancy. I just don't know where I want to put it yet or or how I want to work into a video. So we will figure that out. But today we are going to talk about resumes and cover letters. So for anybody out there looking for an internship or for your first time job, uh, this is gonna be a nice little overview of how to tailor your resume, how to make it optimized and how to do the same for your cover letters. I will note that we have very good articles on both of these topics on College and Geeks. So we'll have these linked up in the show notes. I highly recommend reading them um, if you need to create a resume or a cover letter because they'll probably be more detailed than this episode. And they're gonna have examples. Yeah, it's easier to show you. Like we could show visual examples, but then the audio
1: feed wouldn't have it, so it wouldn't make sense yeah. as
0: much. Though, you know, unfortunately for the audio feed, they don't get to see your amazing example. Right? Like, you mean this one right here? <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a kind that's of a, a big YouTube deal. Exclusive, right there. Yeah, I also have a copy of my resume here, but this is just. It's a boring resume oh, compared to yours. I know who I'm hiring. <laughs> yeah, yours just says it right there. It's very clear. It states, yeah. it states who you are and why they should hire you. Okay, so let's get into this topic by starting with resumes specifically. And I guess I wanted to ask you, like, what do you think the point of a resume is? I think the point of a resume is to basically get you an interview. That's a pretty good answer. Yeah.
1: I, th- I think that... Maybe if you were super incredible, it would get you a job. But I think for the most part, the most you should hope for is that you're going to get your foot in the door because if you can't yeah. prove yourself in person or, or you know over Skype or
0: something, mm-hmm. then it doesn't really matter what's on it. That's the next step you have to prove. Yeah. So really, it's, it's a distillation of your professional experience and your skills and your education um, and everything that would basically pique the interest of a hiring manager to the degree that they would want to interview you because they're probably only going to interview, you know, anywhere from 10% to 1% or even less of the candidates that they get resumes for, depending on the size of the company. Yeah. So the point of the resume is not to tell your entire life story. It is not to say every single thing you've ever done. It is just to put exactly what is needed to convince a hiring manager that they should bring you in and see if you are worth hiring. Yeah. That's basically it. So I guess the first point that I would make here is that you do not want your resume to be super duper long because you have to think about this from the perspective of the hiring manager who's going through resumes. They're not just going through yours. They're not going over it with like a, you know, a tiny little magnifying glass or a monocle and just lovingly considering every single word you've crafted here. They've got like a stack of hundreds or more likely a folder full of PDFs and they're just clicking through them looking for keywords. Looking for, oh, this person went to this school, or this person has experience in Django and React.js. Perfect. I want to bring this person in here. Um, So it's really about making it concise and making it compact as possible, and also putting the most relevant things at the top. Uh, So I guess the first question is Do you need an objective statement? Because this is often like the first thing that's right below your contact information. Do I even
1: have one? That's a question that I will now find out.
0: I don't have one. I don't. It looks like I don't have one. So the reason I wanted to bring this up to get a job. Yes. The reason I wanted to bring this up is because I do not think the objective statement is nearly as important as people think it is from either side of the argument. A lot of people will be like, no, you should never have an objective statement because it wastes space on your resume. And It's just, you know, it's useless. And then some people will say, well, you should have an objective statement because it instantly tells the hiring manager what you're looking for and what you can do. I think it doesn't matter. I think if you have one, as long as it doesn't take away from the really important information being on that one page, it's fine to be there. And if the hiring manager doesn't care, their eyes are just going to move right past it. I doubt they're going to be like wow, try hard. Yeah, they go, oh, actually this company doesn't accept objectives. It's,
1: it's statements just like if something. you have a good objective statement. Yeah. You, you know, feel
0: free, but if exactly. If you do literally like to get to get like a job, get paid. <laughs> like that uh did you see the Parks and Rec episode where like they're looking for new candidates for Leslie's position? Uh I don't think just I a have troller. seen that one. And or no, it's for Tom's position cuz Tom left and there's just one guy, you know, he's just He's like this wiry dude with uh, cl- with curly hair and glasses. And Ron Swanson's like, what are you hoping to get out of this job, son? He's just like, "Um, money. Like like two weeks worth of money would be perfect. <laughs> just, just two weeks. <laughs> like I just need enough to pay rent, dude. Yeah, I feel like yeah. then you probably shouldn't put the objective no. statement, but. Yeah, actually, th- so this brings up a question or a point that I wanted to make. I've seen people in my YouTube comments or on Twitter saying like, well, hell yeah, my objective is to make money. I should be honest about that, right? Like, what's wrong about that? And I get where you're coming from. I get that you do want to make money. And I get that some jobs are are clearly a stepping stone to your real career objectives. But if you're that blunt, then you're basically just telling the person hiring you, I don't actually care about your company. I'm just in this for the money. And you know what? Maybe they view you as a completely expendable resource to be used up until you are no longer useful and then tossed into a trash heap. In which case, sure, you you can pair up and go about your merry way. But more likely than not, they're looking for somebody who at least expresses some amount of interest in helping the company grow into something better. Yeah. And if that's not the case, I mean, even if it's just,
1: uh, they're a little too blunt. If you've got a deal with, you know, you're hiring for Burger King or something, you need to be able to lie about how much you care about things so that mm-hmm. the customers don't understand how annoyed you are. Yeah. If, you, if you're if you just going to be like, yeah, I don't really care about your day. What do you want to buy? Then that's not good. Mm-hmm. You're showing a little bit of your ability to like put icing onto
0: nonsense. And beyond just that, um, showing that you care more about a job than just the money that it's going to give you is important for yourself and your own pride. So even if you do not actually care about increasing the quarterly sales of Burger King Incorporated, which you probably don't, the attitude you bring to those jobs, those early jobs, you know, the burger flipping jobs or the lawn mowing jobs or whatever, that attitude translates to your work ethic and the way you handle yourself in your later jobs. So you should never go into a job simply thinking, I just wanna get money from this you should be thinking, I want to prove myself. I want to better myself, at least in terms of work ethic, if nothing else. And I wanna use this as a stepping stone to my next thing. And I'm gonna do that by coming into work every single day with a smile on my face and with the intention to do my best job. Yeah. And if you do that, even if you never say, boy, oh boy, I'm just really passionate about putting together flame broiled burgers, like they're going to hire you because you look like somebody who is going to take the job seriously. Whereas if you are literally blunt and honest about I just want money, it's just like you're, you're showing nothing but a selfish desire. Well, you're also saying I will do the bare minimum required to earn said
1: money because yes. I have no other external or internal desires. Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, so never never just say I'm in it for the money. Like everybody knows you want it. money. Everybody yeah. knows that. At least be in it to show that uh, you're a good worker. You know. At least be in it to develop a little bit professionally if not for the passion of of the burger work. The passion of the burger. (laughs) That's a weird movie. Beautiful. (laughs) Passion of the burger. Okay. So let's let's just like go through the sections of the resume, um, you know, stage by stage, and just comment on some of the things you might want to see in here. And you actually have yours up? Like yep. the real one? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Because my candle died. Your paper one is kind of um, a joke. <laughs> yeah, that may be a leftover from another video. That is true. Actually, yeah, people who are listening to this, they probably saw it in a video, potentially. Okay, so the first thing that I have on my resume is the education. And I guess one question is like, what do you put first, your work experience or your education?
1: I guess I had education at the top. Yeah. Granted, when I, la- when I made this, I had just graduated. Mm. So I feel like that... Well, I guess that depends on the job. Someday the work experience may trump that and go first. I feel like education becomes less and less important as you, like the CEO of Google. I don't really care where he graduated. He's the CEO of Google, you know? Yeah, that's more
0: important to me. Yeah, But yeah, at this time, education went up front. Mm -hmm. That's where mine is too. And well, I I have to say, like, I don't really foresee myself using my resume ever again in my life because of the path I've chosen. But- you know, so this is kind of a, a reflection of you know where I was as a student actually looking for full-time employment. But I think where you and I are now, five years out of college, we are probably to the point where it would make sense to put work experience first. Because yeah. like you now have a five-year career. You now have a career um, that is longer than the time you spent in college. Well, not you, because you were in college for six years. I'm getting close, though. But you're getting close. I'm well past it. I've been out of college for longer than I was ever in college. So at this point, I would put work experience first. Um, again, if you have a well-formatted resume, I don't think this is gonna matter because you know, within the, the first like four inches from the top of the sheet of paper, you can see a nice big headline that says education and a nice big headline that says work experience. And um, by the way, I'm gonna have my resume in the show notes. My resume has been public on my personal website for years as an example for people. So we'll have a link to that and you guys can go look at it as an example if you want. Um, And I'm hoping that we're going to have some more examples in our resume blog post that I mentioned earlier. So in the education section, I list my university I went to, the location of it, um, my major, and then my GPA as well. Um, I also have two majors listed. So I've got my major GPA and my normal GPA. The reason that I decided to list both is because my major GPA was a 4.0 out of 4.0. Uh, that does so, seem worth mentioning. Yeah. And so I will I will clarify that this resume was created, this particular copy was created before I graduated. So I don't think I got straight A's in literally every single major class because during senior year, I was more concerned with entrepreneurship than yeah. perfect grades as I should have been. But when I created this, I had a 4.0 perfect uh, GPA in the major. So major GPA is basically any class that is in your your specific major track. So if you're in computer science, there's probably like a required computer science curriculum at your university. And then there's probably um, required electives and required yeah. speech and English and stuff like that. All of that would be considered outside of your major. So those would contribute to your normal GPA. A good rule to mention here is that your major GPA is something that you can list in lieu of your GPA, if your GPA is below like a 3.2 or a 3.0. But basically, if you have a GPA below three, don't list it on your major or on your resume. Okay. Because it's just, again, it's about putting that front foot forward. And if the first, like if the foot forward you're putting is, I have bad grades, then you're not gonna get the interest of the hiring manager. Whereas if you leave it off and you create a resume that piques their interest in another way, and then you get into the interview and they ask you about your grades, you can tell them, my grades aren't perfect. You're not lying. But the reason that my grades aren't perfect are, you know, you could say, maybe I had a bad semester once, but I've been working to build myself back up. And you can kind of spin that into a story about how you've been making concentrated improvements in your life. Or you could say, you know, I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship, or I'm very passionate about this volunteer work that I do. So. My grades are not my main priority. And I think that the skills I build in this volunteer opportunity actually translate better to the role that you're hiring for than my English composition class. There's always a story you can tell, but you don't get a huge opportunity to tell a story on your resume. Yeah. So um, what are your thoughts on the work experience section?
1: Uh, Well, mine here is listing the two most important and recent jobs at the time, For the position, Hmm. so I've I've had like quite a few jobs. I don't know how many, and I've got a master list of all my jobs in Evernote somewhere. But for each resume, I pick the two or three most important ones, most impressive for that segment. So if I'm doing desktop support, like application, I have a bunch of jobs that fit that. I will put those. But for a a web development thing, which was what this what what this was for, I'm going to put specifically my web development jobs because they don't care if I can plug in a printer. Yeah. 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 Like as long as they're recent enough that I can talk about them and it's not like this was 10 years ago, I barely remember it. Then I probably wouldn't put it.
0: That makes sense. Yeah.
1: But this is fresh stuff because mm-hmm. I had jobs frequently and switched between them. Like I had two at one point in college because there was a desktop support and a web dev. So yeah. why not list the web dev for this?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's a good point. Um, when you're listing your work experience, you want to consider the context of the position you're applying for and then put that work experience first the work experience that that best showcases the skills that that position needs yeah but there is a balancing act so if i'm you know being hired for an it position i wouldn't want to put my it services experience at the university first because that job ended in 2011 Yeah. It's like not recent enough. Exactly. Yeah. So they were like, oh, you did this seven years ago. And what have you been doing since then? Like you never want your resume to bring up a question in the interviewer's head of like, what have you been doing? You know, are your golden years behind you? That kind of a thing. Uh Uh-oh. You're past your prime kid. Get out of (laughs) here. Exactly. But I'm 23. Yep. Past it. You're benched. (laughs) 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 You're like a figure skater. You peak at 19. That's sad. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh no.
0: It's sad for, well, it was sad for me because I got into it at like 24 or 25. And then all the reading I was doing was just like, yeah, Olympic figure skaters are like 20. I never really had any ambitions to do, to go to the Olympics for that because it's kind of a hobby for me, but it was just a little it, bit it's sad. It's never nice like, to hear like, it's too late for something. Yeah. 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 yeah, you got into this, but you know, the age for peak performance is well past. Sorry. <laughs> but I'm... Um, my my confidence was restored when I watched some former Olympians doing routines in their like 30s and 40s, and they can still bust out triple axles and stuff. So it's not like I could never learn to do those things. I would just never be able yeah. to reach the levels of performance that the Olympians can do. And that's fine. I never intended to do that in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So obviously you want to order your work experience um, in a balanced way that showcases your most relevant experience first, as long as it is somewhat recent. If you've been doing something else for like ten years that isn't quite as relevant, put that first because that's like yeah, you, that's that, the last decade. Gap for would be you. crazy. Yeah, um, and then when you are actually describing your experiences, you want to keep a few things in mind. Uh, number one, accomplishments over duties. So if you are just describing what you were expected to do, that's not very impressive and it doesn't tell a whole lot to the hiring manager. All that tells them is, oh, this is what they told you to do. And apparently you did it well enough to not get fired. That's all the information that provides. Whereas if you say, I accomplished this, this, and this, if you have the opportunity to do that, that actually shows that, you know, you did something specific and it kind of tells a little bit of a story in their head that makes you look better and it creates more specificity around you as a person. Um, The other thing is if you can quantify achievements, do it. If you can quantify really anything about the job, that again, crystallizes the picture of it in their head. So for example, I've got help desk analyst level two on my work experience. This was, you know, I was a level two support monkey. And my first item here is I provided first-tier support to a campus-wide base of over 30,000 users. So I put the word uh, number 30,000 in there because I wanted to show that this was a very big base of users. I was working for a very big university. And that shows that, oh, this isn't just some like rinky dink little support thing that never gets any customers. Like it's a pretty big deal. And maybe it doesn't actually mean that the job was harder than if it were for a small university, but big numbers still imply greater responsibility. Yeah, Um, I did the same thing for when I was an RA. I Put that I was an RA of a hall with 62 students. So there was 62 people I was managing. It wasn't like four people, that kind of thing. Um, do you have examples of like achievement-based descriptions in your work experience here? Uh, both of these, because they're for web
1: dev, are saying basically, I developed the College Info Geek responsive redesign using okay. here's all the languages that I used and technologies. And then yeah. the second one is debugged, improved, and redesigned the school nutrition survey website using a bunch of stuff. There Neither of those examples have numbers, but in the past, my other things have always been like hundreds of printers. Yeah. I've managed hundreds of servers all that were all basically under my management entirely. Mm-hmm. And I've always included that. Computer networking stuff is a great place
0: for big numbers. It really is. You yeah, know? There were like 400,000 miles of cat six cable under my purvey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, how much time did you spend working with those? Absolutely Zero. Uh, you know, I was theoretically managing them. <laughs> yeah.
1: I watched over a hard drive with lots of gigabytes. Yeah. And there was like, kay.
0: I checked. The C drive had 800 it gigabytes was, it of data. It was basically on it. full. Wait, that makes me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you let it get full? <laughs> did you, how many redundant backups did you have? Um, I just remembered <laughs> I left the stove on. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I will note that you, you don't have to have. Um, numbers in every single one of your achievements here. It's just that numbers make it very easy to well, they're, they're add more specificity. They're big enough
1: that you write digits.
0: Yes. But the ones you just said, like created the responsive redesign of the College of Geek website using X, Y, and Z technology. I'm guessing like PHP, CSS, oh, yeah. XHTML. Yeah, jQuery and frameworks and yeah. ASP for one of them. It's But it wasn't just like
1: I was supposed to web develop. Exactly.
0: Stuff. Yeah. Showing your accomplishments gives you the opportunity. projects. That's why I wrote them. It shows that you finish things. It often, it it might actually give them something they can go look at as an example of your work, but it also gives a level of specificity that just describing the duties doesn't give. Um, I will note that you're not always going to be able to do these things. Sometimes you literally did a job where you just had a duty and the only thing you did at that job was carry it out. Yeah. You know, sometimes you got to do that. So I definitely have some of that kind of stuff on my resume, like ISU IT services web developer. I have developed and maintained university websites using PHP, XHTML, CSS, and then I documented development procedures and updated the wiki. Yeah, but you, you kind still of, got a, enough of a description. You got to be a little yeah. bit of a wordsmith. Yeah. Like, I remember when I, when I wrote a uh, updated resume description for Quentin's Burger King job. Oh, I yeah. listed it as burger technician. <laughs> and I wrote things like interface with com- or with customers over a-, <laughs> a counter or something like that. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. It sounded good though. Um the one thing I will note about these these more duty-based descriptions rather than accomplishment-based descriptions is I did mention the technologies I worked with. Yeah. So this is important because a hiring manager is going to be scanning your resume for the skills you have. And if your industry has any sort of, you know, specific tools that are often used or specific systems that are often used, you wanna be able to have those easily visible on your resume. And in fact, a lot of IT and programmer kind of people will have a specific skills section where they will put like react.js, node.js, Django, um, you know, Ruby on Rails, stuff like that. So it's very easy to find. Though I will note that Skill sections are on resumes a lot and a lot of people use that as an opportunity to put things like good communicator or hard worker don't put those on your resume I'm really skilled at being a hard worker again this is your resume is a really quickly scannable thing that gets your foot in the door and you don't want it raising questions in the head of the hiring manager about your qualifications or lack thereof. So if you have something like hard worker or good communicator yeah. in your skill section, well, why did you think that was special? Yeah. My immediate thought is why why do you have to scrape the bottom of the barrel to find skills for yourself? Like there should be something else. And yeah. if you're in a field where it's not super easy to list specific skills, like maybe you're a social worker and your skill is your literally your literal skill is sitting and talking with senior citizens and making them feel better, like that's fine. You're probably going to be able to talk about that in the interview, but it doesn't need yeah. to be in a resume. You shouldn't put things that should be assumed. It's like the money thing. Well, we yeah. hope
1: you're a hard worker.
0: Exactly, At yeah. least you know enough. That shouldn't
1: be, be a question.
0: Demonstrate you're a hard worker through the work experience on your resume. And so this is a big question I get from freshmen and from high school students. How do I get work experience on my resume if I don't have any work experience right now? Oh no, the catch 22. It's, right, it's like chicken and egg. I don't have the resume to go get the work experience. So how do I get the work experience to put on the resume? Uh, And the answer to that is your work experience section does not, it it doesn't have to be limited to paid experience. It could be volunteer opportunities. It could be, it could honestly be a class project. If you had a class project where you had a lot of responsibility and you put in a lot of effort, you could have that in work experience. Yeah. I mean the thing is like again you are giving this resume to a human being and we have the ability to think contextually so if i know that you're a 17 year old and you haven't had the you know life experience yet to have a big resume i'm going to look at a class project on a work experience section and be like oh this is great yeah you know you're looking for opportunities where you can find them if you are a 40 year old person who are put, who's putting like a college class project from the 70s <laughs> I'm going to be like, um how much GTA 5 have you been playing for the last 5 years, bro? So always think about the context of what you're putting on your resume, but don't um don't shortchange yourself, you know? If you have put in a lot of effort into something, even if it isn't paid experience, put it on that work experience section. All right. Uh do you have technical skills on yours? Uh I, I do. Curious. I have
1: uh I have an information technology section that okay. lists all that stuff. I have a languages section. Um and I have a current projects section.
0: Oh, you have was a current like, project section? Yeah. Okay. At,
1: at the time, I was running the Polyglot, my language blog. That's right. I was doing web development with you, and I was doing some stuff with Mind Snacks that had a little language learning app. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I used those. I also have a leadership experience thing that mentions um, like the cyber defense competition, like gotcha. little extracurricular activities. Okay. So my skills yeah. are laid out
0: entirely on the right half in various sections. Gotcha. Um, I've got my technical skills here. So I've got the operating systems I was comfortable working in. I put those there because I was a support technician. So it wasn't like, oh, I know where the start button is in Windows, so I'm gonna list it. It's like, no, I can go into the registry and actually tweak things to make it work better. And I can actually go into the command line on Linux. So I felt comfortable putting those there. Uh, I know a good rule of thumb is, given the job you are applying for, if the hiring manager were to ask you technical questions about the skill you are listing, would you be able to talk about it? Yeah, there shouldn't be anything on here that you wouldn't be happy to talk to them about. Exactly, yeah. Don't uh, misrepresent yourself. You do need to sell yourself a little bit because you are trying to stand out in a very competitive, uh, you know, numbers-heavy process. But if you lie, it will come back to bite you most likely. So, and then I've also got leadership and honors and awards. So these are two separate sections for me. On Leadership. Um, I do have College Info Geek down here as a leadership item, yeah. That was basically just like things I'm involved in. I just mentioned it as leadership because I also have like house treasurer, uh, webmaster for the business council, computer advisory committee, all that kind of stuff. And then I think, I think after I worked with Adobe and Sony, which were a, I think it was about a year after I started College Info Geek, I then moved College Info Geek up to the work experience section because at oh, that okay. point I was like, okay, I've got you know, 50 articles I've written, I've worked with companies, I've been paid, this is now work experience. Even if it's, you know, fun little side project and I've made like $50 total, I've now worked with brands, I have all this writing experience, I have bylands and other sites, it's work now. Yeah. So it's kind of like a fuzzy area, you know, when you should move something from like a little side project to work experience. But if you can justify it in an interview, then it could go there. Yeah. And then I also have honors and awards. So this is where you would just list scholarships, um, maybe any honor societies you're a part of, if you're on the honor roll, anything like that. Basically, these are just things that differentiate you, all that kind of stuff. Um, so a couple of things I wanted to mention before we move on to cover letters. One thing that you're probably gonna be dealing with when you submit your resume to any company these days, especially a big company, is applicant tracking systems, or what are called ATS systems. Actually, they're probably not called ATS Systems and somewhere my friend Aaron Aaron is really mad at me right now. They are ATM machines, Aaron. (laughs) Uh, Basically, these are programs that scan the content of your resume and basically filter resumes so the humans have far fewer to go through. And these are pretty necessary these days. I think like when I read the statistics back in 2013, Google was getting 2 million resumes a year. Like imagine, imagine even if you had 10 people like 200,000 resumes per year each. That's like a full-time job, just looking at resumes. And I would and, quit that job yeah. immediately. <laughs> yeah, not very efficient. That that would be so Exactly, so yeah. Long. I don't, hey, education, my work experience, I don't care anymore. They all basically say the same thing at this point. I can't read. Yeah. Oh, look, another Stanford graduate. I'll put that in my you know 15-foot high pile. So what you need to know about these things is that they are scanning the content of your resume, looking for keywords. So number one, if the industry that you're trying to get into has specific keywords. If the job description mentions specific keywords and you have experience with those, put them on your resume. Yeah. Don't just say, I'm a web developer. Say, I'm a web developer who works with PHP. I work with Ruby. I work with React and Node and
1: Django and those kinds of things. Maybe see what technology their website's using. If nothing is specified for the position, just be like, that's a good idea. You know, just, yeah. Oh, this looks like it was built on WordPress or or it's an
0: ASP. Let me tell them I know how to use that still. I think there's a website out there. Maybe our show notes guy can find it where you can put a URL into it and it will find the stack that it's using. It'll just scan the code and figure out, okay, this I is may using have run into that a Linux I server. It. It's using WordPress, it's using PHP, MySQL version, whatever. Uh, I can't remember the URL f- for it, so hopefully he can find it. We'll see. But yeah, that's a good tip. Find the stack they're using, um, but definitely pay attention to the job description they put out, and maybe you could use other job descriptions put out in similar positions, you know? And again, you don't want to lie, but don't be too general, especially with these kinds of systems. You need to put the keywords on your resume that they're looking for. Otherwise you might get filtered out before you're ever selected for an interview or ever even cross the desk of a hiring manager. Uh, The other thing is you want to keep the design clean. So unless you know that you're in an industry where they value a really creative graphic heavy resume like graphic design and you're applying at a company where your resume is going to go directly to a human, probably because it's a tiny little startup, then keep your resume simple and clean, like that Kingdom Hearts song. Yeah. Because otherwise the ATS is probably going to scan your resume, see the cute picture of a dragon you put in the corner and be like, I can't read this and throw it away. Yeah. So you mean you have experience. Sad. We we went through what, two hundred and fifty six applications, which is a pretty small number. And it didn't feel small, Tom. It felt huge. And, like, with that many people, you're just looking for the tiniest reason to disqualify yeah, it. Like, yeah, please make this easier to sort. Yeah, not because you want to disqualify people because you don't want, you know, you don't want to consider them, but it's just like, no, I, it, I it's have so to triage. hard too
1: because I'm just like, oh, I'm, but I'm so nice and understanding. This could be a reason. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't.
0: There are already top contenders. I can't. <laughs> yeah, it makes it really tough. So, that's what I wanted to say about resumes. I th- I don't think I have anything else on here that are that's really important. Um, I will say that keep it to one page. Well, yeah. Unless you're like a distinguished professor of emeritus with thousands of PhDs and you have a CV that's like 18 pages long. Okay. I feel like at that point, maybe you're famous
1: and your resume could just say, I'm Martin. And then they're like, there you go. Yeah.
0: I've heard of him. The Done. Martin. Yeah. You left the last name off. Do, it's it's, not, un, needed, it's not even necessary. <laughs> Everybody knows. So let's talk about the cover letter here. And um, due to time constraints, I think we're going to have to breathe this one a little bit quicker. I oh, don't know. But that's okay because this is less detail oriented anyway. Yeah. So the point of a cover letter is not to resummarize your resume. And I think this is, this is the, the pitfall that most students find themselves in, where they just write their cover letter as a restatement of everything on their resume. Hi, my name is Martin Baby. Did you want this in sentence form? I am currently a sophomore at Iowa State University, majoring in MIS, and I would like to work for your company. I saw your position, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's so boring. And when I interviewed Brad Karsh, who was a guy who read like 10,000 resumes as a um, advertising agency's hiring director back in the day, he told me that, yes, I read about 10,000 resumes and I read about 100 cover letters. Every single other one went to the trash because you you take a glance at the first sentence and you see, you, I can see where this is going. And then you just throw it away. Yeah. So you want to use the cover letter as a way to, again, pick the interest of the hiring manager. It's another opportunity to do it. And you got to realize that no matter what you write, it's likely that they're not going to look at it just because they've kind of been conditioned to ignore cover letters, which means you're going to want to be doing other things. If you really want this job, like, you know, networking or asking uh, somebody who works there out to coffee, doing informal interviews, things like that. But with your cover letter, use it as an opportunity to maybe tell a story, tell them about yourself, tell them why you first got interested in this field and what you've done in it so far, or maybe tell one specific story about a really cool accomplishment that really ties everything back together and has relevance to the position you're applying for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you, if you were applying for an IT security position, maybe you would write a cover letter that literally told the story about when Will put the password in the general chat and then said, lol, just kidding. Lots of, <laughs> lots of life lessons. Yeah. Because yeah, that's like a fun story that's really memorable. I will never forget that story because it's hilarious to me. And you could probably parlay it into something about how you have information security experience and, you know, that... Really stoked your interest in the field, and now you want to work in it. And this company is oh, yeah. we, your number we one got, pick.
1: We got crushed in that in that thing because <laughs> of like one thing that I overlooked near the end, and I yeah. was still like, but that was intense, and I yeah. learned a lot of stuff.
0: So there's a perfect exper- or There's a perfect template for a cover letter. Tell the story about Will putting the, the password in the chat because it's funny and it's a good hook, and then say, but the reason we actually lost was because I made this mistake. And over the past two years, I've been learning steadily more and more about information security. I've learned from my mistakes. And now I'm to the point where maybe you came back and you won it the second year in a row. Yeah. Something like that. And now I really want to, you know, break into this industry and working for Cisco has been my dream for two years. Yeah. And I feel like if you're not aware of a mistake you made with internet security or
1: something like that, the answer is that you've made them and you're just not aware. Like, yes, you don't, you don't (laughs) start out incredibly good at that. It's too technical.
0: Yeah, I think security, like the way to get good at security is kind of just like a process of figuring out you messed up and then fixing it. Yeah. Whether by you catching it, hopefully, or by somebody hacking you, you know, and then you realize you learn from the school of hard knocks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's see here. What else did I have on here? I think that was that was like the main thing about cover letters is you want to number one, not just summarize your resume and number two, use it as an opportunity to hopefully tell a story, but to do something that just gets the attention of the recruiting manager. Yeah, it's more it's a little <clears throat> more personal. And then one thing that Ransom does mention in the post he wrote on how to write a cover letter, because we do have a whole post on this again, is you want to match the tone of the res or the cover letter to the company you're applying with. So the example he gives is Slack versus McKinsey Consulting. If you look at Slack's website, you can kind of tell that their culture is very whimsical and fun. I believe that Slack used to be a game development company until they made Slack and realized that that was far more successful in their games. So if you were writing a cover letter for Slack, you might take a more fun tone. Whereas if you look at McKinsey's consulting website, they're like projecting this very professional, powerful image. You might wanna be a little bit more reserved in your tone and not tell a bunch of jokes. Yeah. So, consider the culture of the company that you're applying for because they are going to be considering whether or not you are a fit for that culture, for better or for worse. Uh, yeah. So, I think that that probably covers it for resumes and cover letters. I do want to mention at the end of here. At the end of this here is uh, one thing. Boy, I just can't words today. That's I can't okay. words today. I probably didn't get enough caffeine because it's caffeinated or not caffeinated tea uh, don't just rely on the cover letter and on the resume. You also have networking at your disposal. You also have your personal brand at your disposal. So that means your online portfolio and your personal website, your social media presence, all that kind of stuff, your business cards, go to events. You know, the person who is out there being everywhere, meeting people, doing all that kind of stuff is always going to be the person who just shotguns their resume out and calls it a day. So Number one, look at all the avenues you have for making connections and getting on that short list rather than on the the huge, just everyone applied here list. Yeah. And then also um, take what is called a sniper approach instead of a shotgun approach to applying for jobs. Much like you literally made a website for why you wanted to work at Flying Hippo. Yeah. You didn't just apply with a resume and then move on to the next. They were Oklahoma. the only place I applied because yeah. I did that. And I was like, I'm not going to build the same website for two
1: people at once. That would feel really dumb.
0: Yeah. You know, and maybe they didn't hire you, you know, but that was still a more compelling way to apply than the normal way of just making a resume and a cover letter. And it would have been good experience. And I can guarantee you that even if they didn't hire you, they would have been considering you more closely than they would have otherwise. Yeah. So yes, it's more effort and yes, it is a pain, but I think that you should take, you know, put more effort into the application process than the average person would. And you're eventually going to get hired probably at the company you want to work at. Cool. So uh, this is episode 209. So you can find the show notes for it at cigpodcast.com slash 209. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, the link will be in the description below. As always, um, as we mentioned, we have full articles on how to write a resume, how to write a cover letter. And we also have articles on like networking. There's actually a pretty good suite of career development articles on the site now. Uh, mostly due to ransom. He's been doing a very good job making career articles. So we'll have some of those linked up in the show notes. Definitely the resume and cover letter one, as well as some other ones that I think are relevant. So check those out. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find our favorite apps and gear and tools, book recommendations, things that you should bring to college if you are moving to college, moving to a dorm or an apartment, you can find all of that good stuff over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. So check that out. Thanks for listening, and we will see you in next week's episode. Thank you.